A reading from the book of Exodus. The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel, and so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, Let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. If you will please stand and sing Psalm 114, page 4 on your leaf service leaflet.
Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but do not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. For are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. Also those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God. While those who abstain, abstain in honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to, God, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both, the, of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall praise to God. So then each of us will be accountable to God. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children, and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But when he refused, then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy with, on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. That parable is great right up until the last line. Um, so will my Father in heaven do to all of you. Um, and that turns it kind of vindictive and, and um, feels, feels pretty heavy. 
The neat thing about parables is that parables are intended to work in any number of settings, and Matthew is clearly putting this one in a particular setting and doing so by putting that last line on it, so we can cut that last line off and see how it works in other ways. If you remember several weeks ago, um, we read the story of Peter's confession of faith. Jesus was at Caesarea Philippi. Um, He said to his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he said, and who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, you are Peter, you are rocky, and on this rock I will build my church. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Um, And then he goes on to begin to predict his passion. And Peter says, God forbid it. It will never happen to you. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Um, Peter had tempted him to take the easy way out, just like Satan had in the wilderness. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way it's going to be. Then, about a week ago, we had the story of... Uh, or the instruction, if your brother or sister sins against you, go work it out between the two of you. Um, If that doesn't work, take two others, try and work it out. If that doesn't work, take it before the church, and then you've gained your brother. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So these two stories are meant to be linked. And then immediately, Peter, just like the last time, doesn't get it. Okay, I'm supposed to forgive my brother. How many times? Seven. That's a big number. Surely that will do. And Jesus says, no, not seven, but an impossible number of times. Seventy-seven times forgive your brother or sister. And then tells this parable. It's a wonderful parable. Um, Just to give you a little idea of the scope, 10,000 talents was 10 years of King Herod's revenue. This is a big amount of money. King Herod was in the process of rebuilding Caesarea Philippi, where all of this is supposedly taking place, and was taxing people um, right off of their land. People were becoming debt slaves, um, trying to pay those taxes. People were being displaced, um, wandering around trying to get work because they were being taxed off their land. So this fellow, in, in kind of that scheme of things, is probably a tax collector. He's paid a great sum of money for the right to collect taxes. He's not able to pay um, what he's promised he would pay. 10,000 talents, 10 years of Herod's revenue. So the king says, sell his family, sell him, sell his possessions, raise the money. Not going to happen. He's not going to get maybe but a hundredth of that or less on the sale. So when the fellow pleads for patience, he says, forget it. I'm not going to get it one way or the other. I might as well be nice in the deal. So go ahead, just forget it. The fellow comes out and throttles one of his fellow slaves for a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii is three months' wages for a migrant worker. So we have 10 years of Herod's revenue and three months' wages for a migrant worker. Now, it makes a little bit of sense. This fellow is likely to get that. He can get three months' wages from his fellow slave. But when his fellow slaves see it, they go and report it, and and the guy um, throws him in prison until until he pays his debt. So think about this in terms of folks in Palestine being taxed off their land by Herod, 
and, and because of that, because of those dislocations, not getting along very well with one another, trying to get back from each other what is owed, makes a lot of sense. Jesus is saying, we're all already so deeply in debt to Herod, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the dislocations with your neighbor. Get along. Forgive the debts with your neighbor. Matthew takes it out of that context and puts it in the context of community life. How do we get along with one another? So think about it. What do you suppose is the currency that Matthew would have us see in that? 10,000 talents on the one hand, 100 denarii on the other. I think that the currency is supposed to be grace or favor. A few weeks ago, I did a favor for a friend. I didn't think it was much of a favor. I went and sat with her in a hospital waiting room while her husband was having surgery. It's what I do. It wasn't a big deal. I had the whole day to do it. I took my book. I read my book. I chatted with her. Not a big deal. To her, it turned out to be a huge deal. Um, for days afterwards, she was thanking me for doing this and telling me how important it had been and finally got me a little gift. I was like, get over it. It wasn't that big a deal. Um, the gift obviously isn't going to pay back the debt. Time will come when she will pay me a favor, which to her will be no big deal, but to me will be a great deal. So that what Jesus is asking us to do is look at the community. What is the currency of our debts to one another? It's grace, it's favor, whatever you want to call it. And we are all already so deeply in debt to God and one another. Forget the little stuff. Be nice. Pay it off. Just do what it takes. We are supposed to have an attitude of gratitude. We can either be grateful for everything that we've been given or be grudging like the fellow that strangled his, his neighbor. So the point of this is, realize how deeply you're in debt already, and be grateful, and don't try and extract that back from one another. Amen. Um,